we aren't guaranteed a lifetime. So don't fuck around (laughs) with what time you have with people. Don't think, oh, I have all the time. Oh, I'll see him later. You don't know. You may not. Christina, it's good to have you back here. And I had such a good time talking to you the first time. So I'm happy we made this happen again. Besides, you know, the story with your husband in general and your activism more or less towards the the reason that he died, your positivity really, you know, shined a light for me and just your overall humor is just a personal preference for me that I enjoy. (laughs) So to be able to combine the conversation of something so serious and to you know, find the positivity in it and also bring some humor really resonates with me. So thank you again for coming back. And also the question is, was there anything in particular that drove you to want to have this conversation again? Well, you and I just bonded so quickly and effortlessly. And I just felt like I wanted to follow up with, I know that your podcast is a lot about grieving and death. And it's a lot of people having a hard time dealing with grief and death. And I just kind of want to shine a little bit of light on looking at it from another perspective of positivity and um, joy and happiness and not feeling guilt of uh, moving on or also thinking about, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before in the last time we chatted, but I was on a hike one day and I periodically hear my husband telling me something in my head. And what he said was, it's really hard for me to look down on you when you're in bed and you're sad and you're crying because I can't comfort you the way I did when I was alive. And so I thought about it from that perspective. How would I feel looking down on him or my kids or my friends or you and you're sad because I'm not there? It would be awful. So we're not honoring anybody by being sad and miserable. You know, if if you think about it from that way, it's very different. Yeah, it seems pretty common. You know, people relate that, like, you have to feel sad. Obviously, the saddest is natural. And, you know, that's a lot of it. But also, there is kind of a, seems to be, even sometimes subconsciously, a correlation between, you know, the more I grieve, the more I cared, and when's too soon to kind of get back into the swing of things. And there is a guilt for, okay, maybe I feel better now, you know. So it, it also kind of... I don't know. It, it doesn't make the person as present in some weird way. But um, so a, a couple of things about the story you just shared. So you had this, because I remember you did bring this up in the last episode, but I want to discuss it again. So when you were hiking, because, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had plenty of guests on here that share that, that share a similar, you know, modality where they can have, they feel a little more sensitive towards having that dialogue with someone who has passed or whatever it may be. And I've had plenty of people that have doubted that in many ways for and whatever, believe whatever the hell you want. I'm, I'm very open to right. that. So I'm curious to tap into that. Was it a literal, what was that interpretation for you? Like, was that um, a knowingness that that's what you felt he was expressing to you? Are you hearing his voice? Because besides the fact that I want to hear how that kind of went down, you seem to pull a lot of meaning from that. And then there's plenty of people that don't have that experience. So it's a twofold question. I'm kind of throwing a lot at you right now is the logistics of how, what was that experience that you're hearing him, like you're hearing his voice? Like what the hell does that mean? Well, it wasn't the first time I heard his voice. Uh, The first time I heard his voice was when I picked up his ashes and brought him through the house. And he's like, it was really weird. It was very strong in the, 
the laundry room from the garage because that was kind of like the last place he walked through. So it was very, and he said, I'm fucking exhausted. Take me upstairs and put on the golf channel. I'm like, and, and, and that would have been so him. I'm like, oh, okay. So I did. I brought him upstairs, put him on his pillow, turned on the golf channel and went out and dealt with what I had to deal with. <laughs> so that's where it started. But there was all kinds of, you know, s- sounds and, and him, you know, letting me know that he's around. Interesting. Footsteps, hearing him cough, other people doing it wasn't just me. So when I heard him on the hike that day, I think you have to, first of all, you have to be open to it. And I had read a bunch of things about people saying like, you know, believe it. Don't doubt yourself. You know, you you have to be open to it and you have to believe what you're hearing, especially because it wasn't a thought that I had in my head. He said it to me. I had never thought of it from that perspective. And if he hadn't have said that and I hadn't listened, then I wouldn't have thought differently. It, it actually helped me a lot kind of moving on. It's going to be five years in, in March. You know, I started, as you know, uh, two educational funds at the Northern Light School in Oakland, California, and um, for my son and for for Ken. And then I started a, a outdoor classroom at the Edna McGuire School, named after my son Bo. And then this past October, my uh, Bo's twin Ben uh, raised sixty thousand dollars for our educational fund. So I just feel that. Yes, they're gone. And yes, it's sad, but it really did help the time that my daughter had said to me when I was in my office, angry at everything. She just said, mommy, you have to be grateful for the time you had and not for what you don't have, because a lot of people don't even have that in their life, big love in their life anyway. So that was another thing that was really helpful to me as well, to like look at we are not guaranteed in this life when we meet our big love or our parent or our child that they are going to be with us for a hundred years. It's that's just not how it works. So we really do have to be grateful for the time that we have. And we have to really appreciate the time that we have with our loved ones and really let them know how much the time means and not take these things for granted. Like I don't take time for granted with anyone in my life, you know, um, it's just like that is the greatest gift that anyone can give me is time. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no, uh, well, whatever you say is the answer. <laughs> you know, I'm not, uh, that's why I'm asking, you know, I want you to just go on whatever's coming out. So I, I like, again, I'm so, I, lo- I love your, sounds very LA, but I, your energy is just so clear to me in regards to how you've taken it. And I think, you know, five years is a, a definitely a lot of time to process, but still, so five years from my experience still isn't very much. So it's for you to have that perspective, I think is inspirational. And I, I, I like to hear what you're saying for people that aren't having that level that don't have an experience of communication. And, and I feel like, you know what I mean? Right. So I hope of what you're saying can get through to people in the same way that don't have that experience, you know? So I don't know what you would, mm-hmm. what would you say to people that maybe aren't seeing it the same way as you and, and haven't learned that? Because they haven't had a similar experience of, you know, some form of communication with whoever they lost. I think that, first of all, you have to be open to it. And you have to kind of ask them to come to you. Sometimes they come to you. I hear a lot of people tell me that people come to them in their dreams or they hear things, and but they're open to it. If you doubt it and think you're crazy or you're just imagining it, well, then that's what it's going to be. But if you want to hear it, it's there. Right. And I believe that. So... I also feel that for me, grieving, you know, 
you and I've talked about this. It's not something you get over. You don't wake up one day and go, oh, I'm over it. Oh, it's been five years. I'm over it. You're not over it. You're always just managing how you feel and, and it changes. It fluctuates. Some days are harder than others. And um, that's just the way it is. Mm. But I know that I've learned to self-soothe. I know that am I like yesterday, I was really tired. I worked a lot. I didn't work out. And it just like everything seemed so much worse than it was. So I've learned that, am I to check in with my, I've learned to self-soothe. Am I hungry? Have I worked out? Am I tired? You know, do I need to get outside and get some fresh air? What am I grateful for? And I check in with myself. And when I do that and know it's just a moment that's passing, it makes it easier. I also feel that, you know, we don't realize there's always someone that has a worse off story or life than we do. And to just be grateful for our life and helping others. It's helped me doing these podcasts. I didn't realize it would, but it has um, to raise awareness for sepsis for what my husband passed away from. And then to talk about grieving in a positive way and just thinking that we aren't guaranteed a lifetime. So don't fuck around <laughs> with what time you have with people. Don't think, oh, I have all the time. Oh, I'll see him later. You don't know. You may not. Yeah. And you don't want to have that guilt. You don't want to have that like, oh God, I wish I would have spent more time with that person. I wish I would have told that person how much it, that person means to me. So I think it's just being aware, you know, and I think it's also helped my family and I having these educational funds to help other underprivileged children with, um, you know, their scholarship money. I think it's really been helpful. I'm so proud of my son, Ben, that you know, every year for the past seven years has played golf and raised money for his brother and his dad's educational funds. And he gets up in front of over 200 golfers. And, and I, you know, I have video of it. It's amazing him saying like how he's so honored to be here to just help and to help other kids, you know, get an education like how he has. And, you know, to start from a young age, you know, giving back, learning to, have a charitable heart and, and do things for others. I think that he will have that in his life in all my kids' life forever. I mean, it doesn't have to be with the school. It can be with whatever charity they want. But I think because they've been doing it from such a young age, I think it'll be something that, that they do their whole life, which really um, means a lot to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially when you lose someone, you, you know, there's a, there is a level of compassion that I think you know, follows you the rest, of your, can follow you for the rest of your life. Like you just said, you, you realize other people can have it worse or through your experience, you realize you have the thought of, I don't know what this person is going through. So I think there's through your own tr trauma, you can real, like once it happens to you, it's always, you know, it's always heavier than hearing it happen to someone else. So I think you do can build a level of compassion that hopefully makes the people around you a better place. And it seems like you guys are doing that through your charities, your causes and all that. But you know, it's, um, it seems like your kids, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like your kids are learning a lot from you. I've, I, it seems pretty clear. So if they're learning that from a young age, you know, it makes me think of other people that are grieving that may not be handling it the same way, at least not initially, and, a, and may not be trending towards a direction of positivity, which is hard, much easier said than mm -hmm. done don't have an opportunity to learn from a parent that's not handling it the right way. It's hard. You know, you, you lose a partner and then you're the only one. So I've, I've seen people in my life, for example, never really recover, which is one of the saddest things for me. And, you know, people that may not be listening to your story or may not have outlets to figure that out. I don't, I don't know what you tell them, you know, like, what do you tell people that, 
may be having a lot of struggles in their life, whether it's financially at work or everything seems to be pouring out, like how do they find the positivity? You know, I can't like tell you, ask you to put yourself in the shoes of someone struggling because it's a very general question. But someone that where everything feels like it's raining, it's not just the lost day, like they, they might have financial struggles, like I said. How does someone find gratefulness in a world in their lens that may see as what am I grateful for, you know? I love that question. I think I would just say to them, kind of what I said earlier about how do you think your loved one up there feels looking at you just not being the best version of you, that you're not happy and that you're not having love, that you're just angry and bitter. I mean, it happiness is a choice. You know, you can choose to be happy or you can choose to be in a good mood. You're not making the world a better place. You're not making, you know, for me, I kind of had to keep it together because I have kids, right. you know, because if I'm off the deep end, it's going to affect them. So I had a choice. Believe me, they saw me cry. They saw me with my struggles. I had financial problems after Ken died as well. You know, I had to do extra consulting on top of being a CEO and top of being a make virus. I had, I had a lot of not stuff that I actually even talk about normally in public, but I am going to today just because you know, people go, oh, she's young and she's rich and she's blah, blah. It's what all these people think about me. But I work my ass off for what I have. And um, I've had to work through my struggles and my my sadness and my grief. But for me, I decided because I don't want my children to just think of me as this miserable, foul, you know, person that just you know, after my husband died, that they just like that I gave up on on life and living life and loving life. Like, I don't want that because it affects them so much. So I guess that helped me through that. But I think you do. You can look for gratitude in anything. Sometimes, you know, we feel oftentimes like, oh, this is happening to me. Yeah. Like sometimes, believe me, I felt like my mom died. My baby died. My husband died. My business partner died. Like, fuck these things are happening to me. Like, but you know, yeah, they did happen to me, but in some things they happened for Mm. me in some weird way. But I have chosen to look at like being grateful that I had a mother that loved me and my baby and my husband and my business partner. Like they all, you know, I really look at what I had instead of what I don't have. And it's a habit, you you know, you have to get used to that habit of thinking you're grateful. You kind of have to fake it till you make it. And just wake up every day. There's always something to be grateful for, whether it be you have two legs and two arms Mm. and you have health, you know, you have friends and family. There is something always to be grateful for. And I know it's hard sometimes to see it, but you could find three. I, I don't, I mean, I think everyone could find three things that they're grateful for. And you just keep thinking about that and, you know, eating well, not drinking a lot of alcohol, doing drugs, eating a lot of sugar, like all that helps. Like I have really been very disciplined with my exercise and my diet. And um, because if I feel good on the inside, it helps me feel better on the outside. Yeah. I I am with you on believing that there's always something to be grateful for. And there's a lot of people that are living lives that I can never relate to because I'm not experiencing it. Like you said, they're in situations much more dire than I've ever been in, regardless of what's happened in my life. But I do believe without experientially believing it, 
there is always something to be grateful for as little as it is. But, and you can always dismiss that, but if you're comparing your life to someone else's and then, then it doesn't seem relative, but you can find gratefulness even in the smallest thing. And, uh, and especially in the moment, I'm just, this is a random thought, but in the moment when you're going through anything, especially loss, that always seems final. It always seems that this is my life. This is your life now. It always feels like this shitty feeling, this trauma I'm feeling, whatever the hell it is, this is what my life is always going to be like. And like the words that you said in the prior podcast, this is my new normal, which is true. This is a new normal, but at the same time, that pain you're feeling is still temporary. In my, you know, you can still... You're still, you're right. going to get out of that. But when you're in the middle of a storm, you feel like the rain and the thunder is never going to let up, but it will. And you just got to try, you, you got to, It will yeah. let up. It will get better. And it's going to take time, but it's also a choice. You really do have to decide, you know, I want to have a happy life. I want to have love in my life. I want to have laughter in my life. And even like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, if someone's in a really dark place and their person's passed. Well, how about just be grateful for that person obviously meant everything to you and you love them so much. Be grateful for that. And, you know, it's okay to move on and find love in your life again. You can find, you know, it's, it is again that you're finding your new normal and it does take some time and it does take effort and it's bumpy along the way, but it's living life, you know, experiencing life and, um, you know, you have to find balance, of course, in your life. But I do feel that giving back has been very helpful for me. And um, I heard today from my old nanny, Jenny, had heard, of, you know, she knows my story, obviously, and she sees, here's my podcast. You know, I got a phone call today from her that her dad's ill, and she thought he had sepsis, and she was worried. So, I do know that what I'm doing is making a difference because anytime anyone hears something about sepsis, I'll get a phone call or I'll get an email or a text of that. Thank God they heard a podcast or something that I've done to raise awareness to help save another life. So that makes me feel good. Yeah. It seems like you found, you know, you found a meaning or a purpose with it. And I, and I also think, you know, it's beautiful that you found that, but I also don't, sometimes I think I don't want to put pressure on people thinking they have to do this grant. Like, you know, as you're doing a lot of amazing things and a lot of work and, you know, I feel like I'm, this podcast has a lot of meaning and, you know, deflection from what happened to me, but I also kind of let go. I always, I tried to let go of thinking I had to find this massive meaning, this massive purpose and reflection to it. Sometimes it could be as little as simply as living, happy. You know what I mean? Like that could be a purpose in some ways. I don't, I don't, I also don't want to apply pressure to people that are having trouble finding meaning or finding purpose that it has to be this massive thing. You know, I think just going back to finding what's grateful in the little things, I feel like you can just by living your life happy, that is giving purpose and meaning to the person you lost. Does that make sense? I totally agree. I mean, what you and I do is how you and I have dealt with our grief and that's how we do it. I don't, ever think that I don't judge anyone on how they deal with their grief, but I do know this, you have to deal with it because it's there. So you can either deal with it or not. And, um, I think, I think the more you avoid something by not dealing with it, it just makes it bigger and more intense. Yeah. Um, It's weird. It's weird because it's, it's easier not to deal with it, even though you're putting yourself through misery and you're not taking the strides to be happier. There is a weird comfort in being miserable. I feel like I found I found myself there. There's some kind of I don't know. There's, there's there is a weird feeling in 
being in pain and it's easy, it's much easier to stay there, even though you don't probably don't want to be like, why would you want to suffer and feel like shit? But it's to me, it seems easier just to stay there. It's more effort to be happy. And like you said, it, it literally, it literally is a choice. And we can't, we don't have a choice as to sometimes the circumstances around us. But like you said, it's we do have a choice in how we respond and you do have a choice of how you see things. And like, again, it's easier said than done, but also the idea behind it to me is easy. Like it is, it is a perspective and it takes effort and it takes discipline. But the idea, the ideation behind it to me is pretty simple. And I think we complicate the solution sometimes, but I'm, I'm not saying the work to get to the solution is easy because it's not. But I think like as a premise as a whole, like just the shift in perspective seems pretty, I hate to say it, but basic in my head. Well, it is basic, but it's also a habit. You know, we get in the habit of like being in this angry spot or unhappy place. Like that's what we feel like our normal is. And, you know, I, I got a new, uh, I learned something this year that was actually really interesting. Um, a friend of mine, Berlin Fisher, asked me to be on California Live. It's a show on NBC. And so now I'm like the new beauty expert. And I'm like, oh, when he asked me, I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I'm a, I'm behind the camera, girl. And he's like, you know, you need to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. And that was a good one for me. And it can go in for a lot of things in life. It's uncomfortable to start feeling happy again. Because then there's emotions of like, oh, is it, should I feel guilty? Or is it time? Or, you know, I think if people can take judgment out of like worrying about what everyone else thinks, because honestly, we think people really care about what we're doing. People don't care. <laughs> like we think they care more than they care. And if they care, it's for like 10 seconds and then they're on to the next thing. So I think with learning to feel comfortable being uncomfortable is helpful um, taking steps to dealing with grieving. Yeah, being uncomfortable is, that's why I think the little things we said, you said, you mentioned habits. I think the little things we do apply to that. I had another guest uh, on my podcast and we were talking about going to the sauna. As weird as this transition sounds, when you go to the sauna and you're at an extreme heat and you do it for an extended period of time, you get you get just, you get get uncomfortable. And, it's, and it literally apparently right. builds stress receptors and you're kind of building your tolerance to stress and those little details – I'm not relating going to a sauna to grief, but putting yourself in uncomfortable situations more often and getting comfortable being uncomfortable would only prepare you for your future situations. And you might not even notice it, but I, those little extra details that we put ourselves through on a daily basis, that does make a difference. So I think it comes down to, like you said, the habits and the way we live our life. And if we're too comfortable all the time, we're got, you're about to get rocked when something serious happens in your life. That's true. I think... Um Living life, you do have to be uncomfortable because that's when the most change happens, I think, is when when we're uncomfortable. And um, I think that's the, you're, you're open to the greatest amount of change. But, you know, change does it. People don't like change. But, you know, I think you can look at it. It's, again, how you choose to look at it. I used to think, oh, I don't like change. I don't like change. I, the world, that's the one thing I can guarantee you is yep. change. Every, it's constantly changing. And for us to think we don't like it, well, that's not living. You're not, you're stagnant. So I think accepting change and 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 the uncomfortableness sometimes of things and, and thinking like, wow, something great. You know, we don't know we love strawberry ice cream until we try it the first time, right? <laughs> so it's like with anything, you know, you have to try something. And, and 
I don't know. I just feel like life can be so great if we just allow it and enjoy it. And just living in this dark place of unhappiness, it just breaks my heart for anyone. It's just, it, there's no point. Like, there's just no point. To me, the way I think about life is it's a blend of what you just said, where it's it's important to be comfortable in discomfort and also kind of expect the unexpected and don't be surprised by change. Like you said, like obviously certain things are maybe just, holy shit, what the hell just happened? But it the fact that something shifted and completely went, you know, away from the plan should not be a surprise in itself. And I feel like, I don't know, this, this world, this life is just weird. I, I've learned to just say, I don't know more often than not and accept that I don't know. And yeah. also realize this world is just a chaotic, bizarre place that that to me is almost exciting. And even the chaos when it's horrible is like, holy shit, this is kind of, this This is what it is. We're all living in a chaotic world with we, things don't go to plan and we, we don't know what to do and we're going to learn and you have the choice to learn. It's just, this rant that I'm going on right now is chaotic in itself and that is, is symbolic <laughs> to what life is. So I, I it is though, but you know what? If you can kind of just know life's gonna be bumpy, there's gonna be weird things going on, and accept it and not care, it's a lot easier to be like life is so out of our control. I mean, we can all the thing we can control is our emotions and how we react. But all this Kate, all the stuff that's going on around us is out of our control. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I always, not to get all weirdy woo-woo on me, but I always think, what the hell? Like, I like Yeah, me, me too. I feel so. like that is my, next to sarcasm, that is like what runs through my blood. And uh, yeah. yeah. we love it. <laughs> I just, I just, like, it's, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to contemplate what happens life after death, but when I do think about what happens after, I always wonder, you know, I, I wonder if I'll be more frustrated thinking that if life is whatever happens after, if we continue on and there is more, which I do believe there's more, whatever that means. If it's so much better then, I'm like, what the hell were we worrying about this entire time thinking and trying to survive so hard when it ends up being better? So part of me is like, I don't know if that's a good, yeah, but if it is better, over, I, I I don't know what the hell happens, but if it is better over there, part of me is like, what the hell? I don't, I don't know what the hell have been worrying about this entire time, but that's, that's, a, that's why I'm saying worrying is the biggest waste of time because I do believe that the universe gives us whatever we focus on. So if we focus on negativity and doom and gloom, that's what's gonna happen. So if we focus on the outcome we want, I truly know and believe that that is what will happen. Yeah, I forget what it's, I forget what it's called. There's a, there's a specific terminology for it, but it's like if you're, if you're in the market shopping for a Ford Explorer, then you start walking around every day, looking around, you start noticing more Ford Explorers. I forget what that actually, that whole thing is, but it's the idea of what you, it's, it's a weird, right. it's a weird example, but oh, yeah, yes. it'd be like what you're focusing on is what you're going to see. And that's kind of, it's like, oh my God, I'm seeing all these Ford Explorers, but maybe prior to that, before you were in the market to buy a Ford, you weren't focusing on the Fords and they might've been driving by you this whole time, but it's what you were focusing on becomes your reality. So that might be a very dumbed down, lame in right. terms of thinking about it, but I feel like there's a correlation there in the way we live our life. Well, that's again, like focusing on the good things in your life. And sometimes we need a minute to just sit and think about what the good things are. I think people don't get in the habit or even realize all the amazing miracles and blessings they have in their life. And I think it's good to take a minute and sit and maybe even write them down periodically. Like, wow, I have more than I, than I realized. I have more amazing things than I realized. And I think they're all like just getting in the habit of positive habits and positive thoughts and, and 
you know, thinking in from that perspective, I think it will make this journey of grief softer and maybe not so prolonged. Maybe you'll allow yourself to be happy again and and have laughter and love in your life. If you imagine that your loved one is looking down on you, they don't want to see that. I mean, who wants to see that? I, I, you know, I think my husband would like a little bit of seeing me a little bit sad because <laughs> it was definitely that Larry David in him. Like, oh no, I want you miserable. <laughs> I mean, Larry David, if, Larry David, if you're listening, please come on because you'd be the perfect guest for this podcast. Oh my God, Larry David, <laughs> honestly, my husband, you know, would be like, no, no. You know, I could just see him up there with his friend, uh, Vitas Garolitis, going in between mm-hmm. golf, you know, him just saying like, oh, you want to see my wife? She's miserable. She misses me <laughs> yeah, so Yeah, like much. showing you, showing that it off. Woman, oh. She loved me. She's miserable. Watch. Yeah, I don't mean to twist the tables here, but yes, I do at the same time. I wish there's people that I've heard, you know, lost someone that that they, there wasn't love there. And that's another, that's a weird, that's a, a much different grief mm. for me too because there are relationships that people lose somewhere. It's, if you, if we try, because I'm on the same page of thinking, like I think I had a loving relationship with my father, thank God. So I think knowing, I know my dad would not want me to do this. I have that. But then there are people that don't have that. They had a dysfunctional, whatever relationship with whoever they lost. And there isn't that, oh, I, I, my dad, like my dad beat the, like beat the shit out of me and was abusive. It's hard for me to correlate the loss of my father saying, you know, my, my dad wouldn't want to be, but that's not, that might not be the case. So that is a, a whole different complex. There's a, that's a whole whole nother perspective that I can't even relate to. So that's, that's tough. Um, that would be a very hard thing. But again, there's always some, and you know, it's funny, inevitably people, whenever someone passes, they only focus on yes. the good, which is kind of a good thing. Yeah. Um, so hopefully people, you know, I, w- I think it would be really hard to be dealing. I don't know how you deal with that grief. Are you happy about someone being gone then? Or do you feel guilty? I don't know. That's a conflictive. That would be an interesting. Uh, have you had anyone on like that? Not that Deep no, I've had I've had someone on uh, a prior guest with my friend and co-worker uh, Roger had a situation where actually no that was a different situation that was uh, he he had a back and forth relationship with his parents where it wasn't always you know peaches and cream and he was still there to support them at the end of life but I have had an episode with another woman named Mona that her father was abusive and it was she was fortunate to be in a situation where she forgave him right before he died. And so that was a unique situation, but I'm sure there was still a weird feeling of her father used to abuse her. And so there was conflicting feelings there, but she happened to forgive him prior. So I think it was a little, you know, a little healing in some ways. So having had someone who just had a, you know, a completely horrible relationship and it was to the point where they were happy, you know, even, even if you're at the point where this, this, this person's loss wasn't the same as losing someone that had a loving relationship, it's got to be. It's a guy I, I can't imagine. I hate saying I can't imagine, but I feel like it's got to be so confusing because then it starts reflecting on the relationship you had and how it could have been better. So at the end of the day, I think whatever you're feeling, just allow yourself to feel as cliche as that sounds and just kind of. No, it's true. And I think it is important to feel what you're going to feel. I mean, those are your feelings. They're valid. But I guess why I wanted to talk with you again today was because I hear so many times that people just are stuck. And I, 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 I think you can, if you have a little bit of 
different perspective of looking at your loved one down from you, you know, looking down on you and they're, you know, you don't want that. And it really changed the way I dealt with, with my grieving process when I thought about that. Like, I, I, I know that my husband, if he, you know, if he's listening, he would love hearing me make jokes about him being Larry David and the golf and his friend up there. Like he, he would think that's hilarious. So I just think you can, and, and maybe for me doing my charity work has helped. Everyone can grieve the way they want, but I do think sometimes people need a little guidance, a little handholding and a little, you know, some tools to, to grieve differently because we just, as a culture aren't, there's no handbook about grief. They don't really teach you how to do it. I always thought like, oh, I'm married and my husband and I are going to die together holding hands when we're 102. So I, you know, you don't know that someone's actually going to die when they're 54. Yeah. You don't contemplate. It, it is something I had a, another, another guest that no. had Norman, uh, he, Rodney Norman, sorry, he, he kind of explained, like he thought, we always feel that these people are going to be here forever. It's just like a weird assumption, unless you've experienced loss and then you hang on to it a little tightly realizing that. So I think that's, you know, as cliche as it is, again, I think it is important to contemplate that. It sounds morbid and it sounds a little pessimistic, but it's not. It's sort of kind of the reality of this chaotic world and temporary world that we live in. So I think it is, you can have this conversation. You can think what maybe on the surface sounded morbid as just a little bit realistic that it is possible, but also helps you live a more, you know, present life and and it takes your relationships a little more seriously in the moment and not thinking they're always going to be there. But they... I also think like, you know, people complain. This this is one of my things that drives me crazy is that people will complain. I hate my job. I hate my relationship. I don't like where I live. All this negativity. But yet they're doing nothing to change it. And we are the only one that can make those changes. I don't look at, uh, you know, those, if you're in these situations as failures, they're learning lessons. They're not failures. Failure to me is not trying. It's, you're not trying to, you know, handle your grief or handle your loss. Okay, well, you need to, because that's where the failure is. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for people is they're, scared of so many things, you know? Um, I just don't look at failure as failure. I look at failure as not trying to make change. And I think the lack of change that people make is the failure. Not dealing with, not dealing with your grief. It's not a failure, but it's kind of is because you're not trying. Yeah. I mean, I also think my belief, and believe whatever the hell you want, and take this with a grain of salt. I believe that everyone can get to a point of you know they can get to a better place, and it may not seem like it. I, I can't tell you how long it's going to take. It's going to take you know a couple of months for some people. It might take a couple of years or a decade or a lifetime for other people, but you can get there. So I can't tell you how long it's going to take or exactly what works for you, but. I just believe people can, no matter the situation, can. I, I've seen and heard so many incredible stories of people that lost someone or went through this incredible experience and they got to a place. So I don't like the idea of saying, oh, well, that person is an exception. That person had this or that. Sure. I think some people start on first base. Some people start on third base. And that's just the luck of the draw in many cases. But I do just believe inherently that no matter the situation, even if it's harder for one person, if we're putting a hierarchy on it, you can get there. I believe people can get to yes. a better place 
whatever that, you know, that pers- that subjective better place is for that person, you can get there. I'm not saying I, I'm not you saying I've done it. You just yeah. have to take the first step. You know, you have to take the first step and not, and it's okay. You take the first step and then maybe you take a half step back, but you know, taking these little steps forward, m- making these little changes, you know, like removing the clothes from the house, changing things around. I made things look different in my house. I moved everything around just because it was easier for me to not, you know, I got a new couch because it was just hard for me to look at the couch where he would sit and watch sports all the time. That was something that helped me also was I'm very visual. So changing things around, changing the mattress, changing the, uh, you know, the comforter, the pillows, all these different things that were little things, but actually made a huge impact on, because it looked, that was my new normal was having the house different than it was mm-hmm. because it felt to me having the house the exact same way than when he was alive was a lot harder right. for me. And you did say earlier, there's no playbook. I think there are playbooks that people try putting out like books, this and that, but I've also learned through other people experience that are more read than me. And even what I've read that it always doesn't apply to everyone. So it's not like the, there's one playbook for everyone. I think what you're saying is, or at least how I'm taking what you're saying is try different things. You know, maybe if, if either like tweak a little bit, if this isn't working for you, okay, maybe just try something else. If that doesn't work, try be a little bit, be like an entrepreneurial griever, if that makes sense, where try to yes, try like different that. things. See, this works for me. That might not work for me. Or this worked for that person might not work for me. Maybe it will work for me. You don't know till you try it. And as long right. as it, you don't as long know as you're moving try. these things around. I like that. I think that's true. I could tell people a hundred things to do. That All I can share is what has worked for me or helped me and doing the, you know, some change. It, it, it does yeah, I like, help. Like that. But sometimes it's kind of like, it's scary at first also to let go of how things mm. look. Yes. That's that's letting, you it know, feels like I it's letting go. My, it's very, what you did is like you're talking about changing, moving things around, getting a new cat. That is extremely hard. Cause if you're, you're like, even though that's not, not the person you lost, it's not Ken. It is still, it has life in that intangible, you know, in that object. Cause like you had these experiences on this couch and blah, blah, blah. So it, letting go of that is extremely hard of what you did. Yes. And, you know, I think one of my friends came in and moved his clothes. I wasn't ready for them to move them out of the house. They put them down into the guest room. So you kind of sometimes have to do things in <laughs> yeah. stages, like do a little bit, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I commend you for, I commend you, you for know, taking that step. Having the closet look different. That was weird. It's all weird. It's all weird. It's and it's so much. Sometimes it feels just so overwhelming at the beginning of like, what do I do? You know, it's just it just feel I know it feels very overwhelming and, and daunting um, and exhausting. So I do. I also feel one of my friends taught me this, Diana. She said I was beating the crap out of myself. Like I should get through. I should deal with these things like. And she said, you know, you would never treat another person on the planet the way you treat yourself. And I I really had to learn to be kind to myself. That was something that was hard for me to learn to do. Kindness and be a little gentler on myself. Like, okay, you're having a bad day. You know, go for a walk, go get a massage, go watch TV or read your book, take a bath. I mean, I had to kind of learn to love myself extra, like buy myself flowers the way my husband used to, you know, do all the, you know, I had to learn to do the things for myself that 
made me feel good. And that's kind of hard. We're not used to treating ourselves nicely, which is moronic. <laughs> uh, I can give more to everyone in my world when I take care of me, that I'm rested and worked out and my head's on straight. I am a better version of me, which means I can do more for my charities or my children or my business. So it self-care is not selfish. And I think that was something I had to learn. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it is important. I think it, sometimes it goes both ways where I think there is a balance. Like I like being, I'm, I'm probably push to the side of being too hard on myself. And I try to find that balance of being a little easier on myself, but I also don't want to go too far because then I think that leans into being too comfortable, except like what we talked about. So I think there is that perfect balance of what we do as a whole. I personally am trying to be a little easier on myself, not too easier because I don't know if I can ever do that, but I'll try. But I, I do want to ask you to bring it back to more uh, present day. So you're five years into it. How are you today? Almost five years in March. Okay. So how, how are you today? I'm good. I'm I'm peaceful. I'm happy. You know, um, I have someone in my life uh, that I love very much. And uh, he's kind of a challenge, just like Ken was he's kind of got the same. I feel like Ken sent him. They're very similar. <laughs> um, but I'm really grateful that I have someone that makes me laugh and um, that fills my heart. It's different. It, you know, I, I've heard people say like, oh, how can you love someone else? It's like, you know, I have five kids and I have a, a a heart for each child. I don't have one like, oh, a quarter of mine is, you know, divided. So I feel like, you know, I had a big, huge heart for Ken and I have a big, huge heart for this other person who shall be nameless, <laughs> who wants to be private and doesn't want everything out in the world. I love that. But, um, you know, I think it's really important to feel love and 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 to have love in life. I think... You know, I, I was widowed very young. So I, I, you know, you just don't know when it's going to pop up. And again, some people can find someone a few months after or a few years or whatever. There's no right or wrong. And, it, and you shouldn't judge yourself. And certainly not. There is society has no right to judge anyone um, on moving on or anything. And it, Again, they care for like five minutes, if that, and they don't right. care anymore. And I just heard a text come in on your side. Is that the nameless person saying to shut up? Yeah, I thought it was the nameless person. No, it was my assistant, Sophia. What? He who shall yeah, be yeah, nameless. No, I, I love that. Cause I, I, I was, I'm happy you kind of brought that up about the, you know, loving someone else. Because I think that is a common topic of if you're widowed, uh, you know, when is it appropriate? There's no when. It's just... Don't feel guilty, this or that. I th you know, there is a fine line if you find someone. There's a difference between the timing of it, of when you get into it, and the intentionality behind it. Because I think, you know, some people may rush into it just because they need someone and th they're using this person as... Well, that's their new, that's their normal. And so they say, what I've heard when I went to grief camp, that oftentimes people that were in happy, loving relationships tend to get into new loving relationships sooner rather than people who didn't because that is their normal. And so I get that. I get that. Um, you know, and I, th I think more men gravitate more to finding someone because they're not used to being alone. Not that women don't either, but I think the statistic is a little higher for men trying to find their new normal. And, um, it's, it's hard to get used to being alone. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. That's yeah, I think sure. we need to let go of the judge. There's so much judgment towards that. I've seen uh, 
I've seen people in public eye that lost someone and they get judged for finding someone. It's like, just just leave them alone. I don't don't know what's right or wrong. Hopefully it's making them happier and no one's getting harmed from this decision. Like whatever, like, yes, I hope the best for them. But the judgment is just, you don't know what they're feeling. You know what they're going through. You don't even, and then you're going back to the person that died. Like maybe they wouldn't even care, but we'll never know. You know, so it's just, uh, we got to be easier on ourselves and also reduce the judgment that we have on people and how they process things because you don't know what they're, we don't know what they're going through. And I've said this over and over again. We don't. And a lot of times like, well, people, I, I just know like, cause my life's pretty public just cause of my job and, and doing this as well. People see, you know, an image, you know, out there. Well, that's what I'm showing you. You don't know what really is going on in my head or in my life. I don't show my private life. I don't show my person. You know, he's very private and I have to respect that because just because my life's out there and my husband was famous and, you know, I do this, it doesn't mean that my person wants his picture out there in the world and um, his name out there. It's it's not fair. So I, I've had to learn to be very, you know, considerate of, of his feelings and respect them because they it, it's it's very different than mine. For sure. Especially the other side of the person coming into a relationship of someone that lost someone, you know, that's a whole nother dynamic in a conversation. Uh, cause I experienced that in my life with the person, the, the man that my mom's currently with, you know, and it's been great. It truly is. And it, I, I can, I've always thought about his perspective and how hard that would have been, you know what I mean? He was, and he was, he, I thought he handled it, you know, very respectfully and wasn't forceful. It was like, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. So that's like a whole nother angle of being the other person coming into a relationship. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's not easy. Right. It's hard. It's hard to come into, you know, I had a really happy marriage and, you know, Ken was who he was and it's hard. That's why I really am respectful of him as well, because it's not easy to come into my world. And um, after, you know, after being married to Ken and and, and how are, you know, are And having kids, you know, the angle from the kids, like I'm even being, me being the well, son. Also this, like there's also, you know, pictures out in the world all, all over the internet of Ken and I very happy. And, you know, that's out there. That's, yeah, that's not unique. normal, but that's my normal or was my normal. So that's why I am very respectful of my relationship that I, there's nothing out there of him and I together. So that's interesting yeah, too. That is, yeah, that is tough. It's such a polar opposite. I love that. Um, well, Christina, I, I want to thank you for being on here again. I don't know if there's, you're just, you're fun to, I don't know, maybe you'll be on here another 10 times because it's so much fun to talk to you. Yeah. I don't know. You and I are just, <laughs> I don't know. You and I just like, you're my guy. I need it. You know, we just want to like chat. And it's so funny when we met, I didn't know if we were going to have this, but I don't know. We just have this really great chemistry of talking about things. So I really love it. And um, I'm, I'm going to be coming to LA to do a new show um, the end of the month with Tyler Florence uh, for the Food Network. So hopefully we can get together. Down oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if, you rem- yeah. if you remember, please let me know. I'd love to link up and we can talk off the mic. Yeah, totally. Before I do let you go, is there anything, any any last minute things you want to plug about whether what you're doing outside of grief or with grief, whatever the hell you want to <laughs> say um, or nothing at all, you're, you know, feel free to bow out how you want. I just think my wish for everybody is to have a lot of love and laughter and joy in their life and and figure out how to get there. It isn't always easy, but it's worth it. It is worth the effort of of trying to get through the darkness because the light is there. And I can, you know, I've been very blessed and I'm sure my husband's had a lot to do with it with all these miracles I've had, you know, with my career and uh, 
my success. I'm very grateful. And uh, so I'm on my, all my angels up there, I'm sure they're helping making, oh, there's my there angel right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christina, I really appreciate you. And guys, thank you so much, ladies, gentlemen, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Dead Talks. And uh, until next time, thank you. Thank you.